Um, so we should get started because I don't know how long my internet will behave. Yeah, we should. All right. All right. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen films and adult rom-coms. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, adult services librarian. Uh, that's not usually how I introduce myself, but it'll it'll do for now. <laughs> uh, and young adult literature appreciator. Uh, and I am here, as always, with my co-host. Um, I'm Maren Hagman, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here in our 49th episode to discuss the 2020 film Modern Persuasion. Um, written and uh, written by Jonathan Lisecki, directed by Alex Appel and Jonathan Lisecki, and adapted from the Jane Austen novel Persuasion, uh, which was published like six months after she died. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, Modern Persuasion stars Alicia Witt as Ren Cosgrove, Mark Moses as Grayson Keller, Legion Lee as Rebecca. Daniela Pineda as Kate, Tedra Milan as Crystal, Jen Harris as Maxine Keller Lynch, Liza Lapira as Lizzie Lynch, Adrian Seymour as Denise, Bibi Newworth as Vanessa, Shane McRae as Owen Jasper. It is also just sidebar hilarious to me that Owen Jasper shows up like 10 names down on the IMDb list. Yeah, right. Um, do, do, do Chris O'Shea as Tyler. Mark St. Cyr as Brian, Dominique Reigns as Sam, um, and Rosani Zayas as a woman named Alicia, who I don't think, for love or money, I could tell you who that was in this movie. Uh, so the plot of Modern Persuasion, uh, Ren is a single woman in New York City who works for a media marketing company question mark like social media pr yeah it's like a pr firm uh and they get hired by owen jasper who is her ex-boyfriend from college uh to do the pr for his new charity based social media platform um she doesn't know how she feels about all of this because they had a, a bad breakup when Owen asked her to come to California with him when they were in college and she said no on the advice of her aunt to uh, pursue her own career goals and dreams. Um, and it turns out that everyone still has unresolved feelings, which kind of come to a head when Owen invites the entire firm to his house in the Hamptons for a weekend work retreat and also someone's party. I definitely lost track of who most of the characters in this movie were. <laughs> um, and then they, Ren helps host the party launch event for Owen's new um, charity app. Um, he confesses that he still has feelings for her and they end the movie making out. <laughs> Mostly... Okay, I'm going to preface this by saying I've never read or experienced 
this original story of persuasion. It is not a, it is not a movie or sorry, it is not a story that I'm familiar with. Okay. So I believe that this movie is relying on its audience's familiarity with persuasion to fill in a lot of blanks because these characters had no personality. Well, and that is interesting for me to hear because I will tell you, as someone who is a bit of a persuasion groupie, it is my favorite Austin. Um, I think it might be the only one I actually own in print. Um, I own two movie versions of it. So I am I am a persuasion groupie, and I will tell you that these characters actually don't have too much of a correlation. Um there's oh. some. But actually, a lot of the side characters aren't, there isn't a one-to-one. Besides Kate and Sam, those are pretty one-to-one. Um, they're, they're very much in Persuasion is the plot line of dude is flirting with this other girl, has this friend who is heartbroken, heartbroken friend and our heroine, like Bond, and then girl hero was maybe pursuing kind of inexplicably ends up with heartbroken friend like that yeah like the kate and sam storyline is actually i think probably the most faithful because yeah i just i was thinking about it i was trying to think after the movie was over what did i learn about any of these people And I think you get to learn, you get to know the most about Ren because she's our main character. But by the end of it, I'm like, okay, she likes her job. She goes running sometimes and she has a cat. (laughs) And she used to listen to very sad music in high school. (laughs) And that's kind of all we get to know about her. Yeah. Like I I didn't, I, I really did not feel like I knew who these people were. I certainly did not feel any attachment or, like, investment in whether or not any of them, like, got a happy ending or whatever. And I, you know, so, and I think I texted you this. So after watching this, I immediately, much like needing mouthwash, um, I I needed to cleanse my palate a little bit. So I went back and I was watching some scenes from both the 1995 version of Persuasion with Kieran Hines and Amanda Root. Um, and my personal favorite, the 2007 version with Rupert Henry Jones and the amazing Sally Hawkins. And one thing I think works, uh, and so I was trying to think, like, from a conceptual framework here, like, what works about Persuasion when it is done well that was missing here? And I came to a few conclusions. So conclusion number one. So one of the reasons persuasion works so well as a story is because our heroine, we see our heroine basically single-handedly keeping her family together. And yeah, and especially in the hands of a, a really talented actor like Sally Hawkins, you just innately root for her. Um, and so when she gets this opportunity for love in the form of Frederick, that's Owen's character's name, um, you know, it's, I, I, I think what's appealing about persuasion is less, because they actually don't spend a ton of time together 
Um, and the relationship isn't necessarily very well developed, but you just want Anne to be so happy that at the end, you're like, girl, if this makes you happy, like, here for it. Um, well, and I think I, I would have loved to have seen more of Ren's family. Hearing you say that makes me wonder if this version is substituting um, Anne's family members for Ren's co-workers. Oh, absolutely. Because um, we, like, her aunt, Vanessa, is a very big part of her life, and we find out that that's because her mother passed away, and Vanessa has been um, like sort of a surrogate mother figure. Um, I don't think we hear anything about siblings. Yeah, and um, in in the book, there is in she's not actually her aunt, but her her mother did die young, and and she has the substitute mother figure who persuaded <laughs> persuaded her not to marry um captain wentworth but um yeah her her dad like the co-workers are basically i think stand in for her dad and her two sisters uh, who are terrible yeah i can see i was gonna say the two the two millennials who prove that no one who wrote this movie has ever actually met a millennial um and then the uh brother one of the um social media firm people are i think standing in for her sisters and father um so actually the 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 gen z girl is standing in for a different character louisa um who is the one where when when captain wentworth comes back he he has a flirtation um and so Anne thinks that like oh well he's not into me anymore um, and then there's this kind of pivot where she gets injured and ends up with his friend. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that, that plot line was actually pretty one-to-one. But I think the, like, Grayson was supposed to be, like, the stand-in for her dad. Because, like, the impetus of the story and persuasion is they have to run out their house because their dad spends too much money. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, like, Lizzie and Maxine, the, like, other owners of the company were supposed to be standing for her sisters. Um, kind of. But yeah, otherwise, Ren is pretty alone in this movie. Like, we don't really get to see... No one is there for her personality to bounce off of and let me, like, get to know her better. Yeah. It feels like everyone else just kind of exists, like around her mm-hmm. um but well, yes also who wrote that dialogue for those gen zers because oh my god it really felt like this is how this is how old people think that gen z people talk i know right i was like it, this feels like straight out of a buzzfeed listicle of like 15 differences between millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah. Most of the dialogue here felt incredibly artificial to me. Yeah, and I think this was a problem. So I think what frustrates me too is like actually some of their ideas for how to translate this story were really clever. 
Um, I actually really like the idea of, um, you know, a failing company standing standing in for her financially failing family. Like, I think that's not a bad concept. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, they kept it at such an artificial level. It, it, it there was just so much telling, not showing. Yeah, we also don't ever really get to see, like, we get a couple of intimations that Ren is good at her job, but for her, for her career to be such an important part of her, I would have, I would have liked to have seen her work more. Right. Like, like I- we just sort of skip from conceptualizing the advertising they're going to do for Owen's service to the launch party, and I'm like... How dare you miss an opportunity for a good workplace montage? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> well, and I think especially when so much of her character is supposed to be rooted in her professional competence. Exactly. Yeah, and again, I think what happened here is they like sat down to write the script and they like mapped out in detail all the like translation they were going to do and then they forgot the part of actually, like... Where these have to be characters. Exactly. And, like, where the story has to stand on its own um, and not as a translation of Jane Austen. (laughs) But, yeah, I I truly hated um, the dialogue choices for the other, the social media girls. Um... Whoever did wardrobe for this movie should be fired. Yes. Oh, my God. That dress she was wearing to Vanessa's party. I'm sorry. Are cummerbunds in fashion now? Like That one actually, that felt oh. to me very much like we're going to make a Jane Austen. That felt like them trying to make a Jane Austen fashion reference. Oh, okay, maybe. I don't know. It just was it like a- was it? Was it good or successful? No, but I think that that's <laughs> what that particular one was trying to do. But yeah, like no one, no one has ever dressed the way that these people are dressed. Nope. Oh my god. Yeah, and I feel like we usually have such good things to say about fashion in the movies we watch that it, it like stands out. That like. This it is, is usually, even when I dislike a movie, I can usually find nice things to say about the clothing choices. Right. And yeah, in this one, was not happening for me. Nope. Um, I would like to talk for a moment about Grayson. Yeah. Um, because at first I was like, oh, this is Stan Tucci from The Devil Wears Prada. And, and then, then he was straight. Except that he definitely has a line earlier in the movie about the kind of men that he likes to date. So then I was like, oh, he's bisexual, but they have been coding him as gay for the whole movie, which means when he starts dating the secretary, it feels very like, what is happening right now? Exactly. It just felt so jarring. And like, you'd think they could have had a moment like they do on, I love the scene in Shit's Creek. Where for um, David, they're like, well, sometimes I like red wine and sometimes I like white wine. And it's like you couldn't have even like taken the time to have like that 15 seconds of dialogue to establish that like this character is 
bisexual or pansexual or you know however he identifies and maybe that was just what was supposed to be accomplished by him dating denise because like i don't think every care like i don't think characters especially queer ones need disclaimers as to what their sexuality is he just was so strongly coded as being gay that it felt very strange yeah it just Um, was jarring yeah which again i don't need somebody to come out and be like well actually i'm bisexual for me to get the point but maybe that could have been much like most of this movie maybe that could have been written a little bit more elegantly yeah well and it's like they went to such great lengths to tell us so many things that i'm like wait like this oh okay and his character archetype was so very strongly based in characters like Stan Tucci from the Devil Wars Prada and Tim Gunn from mm-hmm. Project Runway. Like many of these characters, again, felt like they were using shorthand from other better and more well-known movies to like get their characters across. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to do that, then you're building in some expectations for your characters. Like if you're, if you're going to rely on the archetypes, then like that comes with baggage. Right. And I think it's one thing to like actively and intentionally try to subvert those archetypes. Um, like I'll reference again, that storyline in Shit's Creek where it's like, Oh, okay. And, you know, you feel like that's a scene in a storyline that, like, takes that character farther from being a stereotype, farther from being an archetype. But in this case, it was just, wait, what's happening? Well, because I think this movie is very lazy. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any characters that I actually enjoyed. I think the (laughs) only... I think the only character that I liked was Lizzie. Yeah. The the pregnant wife of the um of Grayson's sister. She I enjoyed. I really liked at the end she and Ren are having a moment and Ren says, You're actually very sweet and Lizzie's like, No, I'm not. <laughs> I did that was one of the few times I actually chuckled out loud. I have nothing I have no problem with characters being awful. Um, I just don't like characters that are boring and I want people to be intentional about it. Yeah, I think it also. Okay, so this. So and I I don't want to. Shackle us here to talking or I guess hew too closely to just talking about the source material, but I feel like in this case. It's relevant because they were so clearly going for this translation um, of the source material to um, a modern era. But I feel like part of the problem is, too, like one thing persuasion relies on. And as I mentioned earlier, like the two leads don't actually spend that much time together. And so a lot has to be conveyed in, like, little looks and little moments. And, like, I swear to God, there's a scene, and I think it's the 1995 version, where they pass an umbrella back and forth, and never has there been such a meaningful umbrella pass back and forth. 
Like, it does such a great job of just, like, loading these, like, really small moments between the leads with meaning. And, like, that's what persuasion has to do because they actually spend so little time together. Um, which is why, I mean, they barely talk to each other and the, like, the love confession happens in a letter. Like, they don't even have an in-person, like, hey, I still love you, you know? Like, that's how little they interact. So you have to imbue every second they interact with meaning and tension and... Well, and you don't, or I didn't, because... Owen spend like they spend most of the movie ignoring each other. Like Owen is not paying attention to Ren through 80% of this movie. And we get the little breakdown sequence at the end with the Gen Z girls. That's like, Oh, he was doing that because he likes you and wants to make you jealous. And I'm like, no, that just means he's terrible. <laughs> like none of these. I, d- I- I don't feel like I got to know Ren very well, but I can already tell that none of the men in this movie are good enough for her. <laughs> Literally none. <laughs> yeah, and again, and I think that is a structural flaw of the story of Persuasion. Like, you just, there isn't much time of the lead spending together, so to make it work, you really need those few times they come together. Like, I, so I was watching a a scene from the 2007 version, like, one of the few moments where they just are, like, small talk. And you, it's such a small scene, but you have this moment because the acting is so good and, like, the way you can see them act through this very stilted small talk, you immediately watch it and you know, oh, these are two people who are perfectly in sync with each other. And there are a couple other moments like that where, like, their, like, distance from each other gets stripped away. Like, they're forced together. And you get to see, oh, okay, no, there is still a connection here. And this version never had that because they never bothered to develop Owen as a character. Well, And and also, in this version, like... You know, we they make a lot of the fact that Vanessa runs on to, like persuaded her not to go to California with Owen, but I'm kind of on her side in this. Like, don't just move across the country because some guy made eyes at you. Like, I I was very sympathetic, and maybe not as empathetic with their initial separation as I should have been because I was like oh no this makes sense to me like it makes sense that right out of college following your college boyfriend across the country to a place where you don't have a job or anything to do like that's a bad idea right so I also I also did not feel any residual connection from their initial relationship Yeah, and I think part of the problem, too, is because the movie didn't bother to make it clear that um, Ren herself, like, it didn't make it, Ren wasn't like, no, I wanted to go very strongly, 
it just you planted these seeds of doubt. It it was just like, yeah, like, yeah, you guided me in that decision. You know, there wasn't any sense of like, no, Ren felt strongly that she wanted to go. And Vanessa talked her out of it. Um, yeah, she just has sort of like, well, what if I had gone, which I feel right. is a normal level of you know, how would my life be different if I had made this completely other decision? But you never really get a sense of, you know, how into this guy was she? Like, how would that have been a good decision for her? We don't know. I feel like we don't have enough information to know. Exactly. Whether as in spoiler alert, what I'm going to recommend our our listeners uh check out instead for an updated version of persuasion is Sonali Dev's recipe persuasion. And one thing that that version does, which is the opposite of this, that's so successful is it gives us flashes of their previous relationships. Like I don't think there are any direct flashbacks, but you get to hear a lot more about it. And it's um, very clear that like they dated for you know, years, like, he was her main support system, her best friend, like, it, they make it very clear, like, how important this relationship was to her when they broke up the first time, and, like, how devastating that was to her, so that way you feel the stakes of them rekindling their relationship. Because you you get those glimpses of, oh, this was like a very loving, functional relationship that was abruptly ended. Um, and so it gives you, like, like you were saying, like there's nothing to like root for from the previous relationship, which you need an ingredient of like to make this, this story work. No, because frankly, again, I'm on her aunt's side. Like, think that would have been a bad choice and also think he's kind of a jerk for um like he gets some digs in her early in the movie that i was just like rude yeah over her initial decision to not go with him um yeah did not love that this movie i wish this movie had had flashbacks i think that could have that could have done a lot of the legwork that was just not happening here. I also, I really just didn't like, like, I just don't think they looked good. The cartoons they started I... out, which I think were supposed to serve that purpose. Nope. Didn't love the cartoons. Did not love the cartoons at the end either. Why can't you actually give me fake social media photos? What is happening here? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, Yeah, I just thought I thought a lot of this movie was at the end of the day just like really poorly conceived. Right. I literally I think they sat in a room, drew up, like wrote out on cards, this will be that. And like we're gonna change renting the house to downs and downsizing the house to downsizing the company. And we're going to change her terrible dad and sisters to challenging coworkers and boss. And we're going to change, like, so, so Sam's character um, in Persuasion, the equivalent um, is uh, Captain Bennett. 
and Captain Bennick, um, his fiance, actually died. So I could just see them, like, writing out on a card, no, we're gonna explain it, his fiance left him. Um, and, like, that's why he's heartbroken in this version. You know, like, I could just, they, yeah. You could just see that they made the first step of, like, creating all these equivalents, but they didn't, they just took these little threads instead of actually constructing a story. Yeah, because it still has to tell a story at the end of the day. You can't just be like, this is why this is why I felt like it relied very, very heavily on the audience um, being familiar with the persuasion story because they were clearly not trying to tell any other kind of story using this framework. They were just like, we're just going to do persuasion, only now it's in the 20th century. Exactly. There was a lot of like weird correlations and i didn't hate some of the choices they made that was also frustrating to me where it was like oh actually that's a really good idea for like an equivalent and they just did it badly you know and and i think another obvious comparison here is clueless um which is based on jane austen's emma and i think one thing that clueless does well is it's not married to the point by point plotline of Emma. It does take a few things. Um but it, but it really gives you that concept of a young woman who thinks she knows what's best for everyone and is very wealthy and has a lot of privilege and wants to use that for good and does it in very, you know, high-handed ways that she comes to regret. Like they took that kernel of what was appealing about Jane Austen's story, and they translated it in a way that is its own fully fleshed out story. And you don't have to be familiar with Emma to to appreciate the story of Cher um, in Clueless. Like, it stands on its own. I also wonder if this movie thought that it was saying something really clever about, like, Gen Z and the social media landscape. I don't think it is, but I do wonder if that's what it thought it was doing. Yeah, probably. And honestly, it's not a bad idea. Like, again, part of what makes me mad is there are kernels of really good ideas in here. Like, the the climax of the story persuasion is Anne getting a letter from Captain Wentworth. And I actually really like the idea of instead of a letter, it's a text. Yeah, like, I... I don't hate the idea of using Jane Austen because Jane Austen is so much about how we communicate with each other. Like that is one of her deep intrinsic themes that using one of her stories to comment on how like the internet age has changed the way we communicate. Like that's a cool idea. I don't think this movie was successful, but I think that that was what it was trying to do. It just never committed to, like, fully exploring that theme. I mean, for goodness sakes, they even have him quote the actual letter instead of, like, having a text of his own. Like, he's like, I'm going to quote from that one book because you named the cat after that character. And that's how I know you still love me. And I was like, maybe she just liked that character. Right. Well, there is, like, 
Sorry, I feel like I keep, uh, I think it makes sense to just keep referencing other Austin adaptations. But I, I think that the Lizzie Bennet Diaries actually accomplishes that goal of like t- tackling Jane Austen for the internet age because, you know, it's all about, and I mean, granted, you know, it came, when it came out, this was very on, like, of the moment, but it's all about like vlogging. Like it takes Pride and Prejudice and makes it a vlog. And, um, it works because, like, part of the story of miscommunication, part of the appeal is, like, we get to see the same story of miscommunication and bad first impressions through this new medium. Uh, I don't know, Marin. I don't know. I try to be optimistic about every movie that we watch. And some of them just make it very hard. Yep. This one was a stinker. I may or may not have texted my friend <laughs> the poop emoji. While <laughs> you're texting about it. Well, and I, I will say that when it started, I was just a little bit like, well, this is kind of boring. And then at a certain point when I realized that every character in this movie is awful, I was like, oh, actually, this movie is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually, yeah, like the first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, there's some interesting setup here. Okay, okay. I'm I'm liking these ideas. And then it's like, oh, no, this is just all going to be telling, not showing. And then one of the Gen Zers opened her mouth. (laughs) And I wanted to die. Yep. Um, can we talk about Tyler for a minute? Yeah, what if... Yeah. Like, read the room, dog. So, Tyler is a British guy that, um... Ren's aunt tries to set her up with, although later we find out that she wasn't actually trying to set her up. She was just trying to get her a one-night stand, which is also kind of strange and invasive, but, you know, whatever. Um, and every single time Tyler and Ren interact, Ren is like, you get away from me. And every time Tyler's like, I got you, I'll see on the flip side. And it's like, no, dude, she does not like you. She does not want to be around you. What are you doing? Read the room. (laughs) Yeah. And again, at first I was like, this dude deserves better. But then as the movie went on, it was like, oh, no, actually, he is also terrible. And I don't care anymore. Yep. Well, and to be fair, that is actually the arc of the equivalent character. Like you are like he does go through that, like at first seems great. And then we realize is awful. So like that was I don't know that he ever seemed great in this movie, though. I, I think he just seemed like. Again, just that maybe the movie didn't need to treat him as badly. Um, but yeah, then we find out that he is awful. And, you know, just like literally everyone else. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, truly an epic level of not being able to read the room. Like, defying... Uh, like believability like absolutely defying believability well and then the thing that prompts owen to write her that text is seeing a photo of the two of them kissing 
which because we the audience got to see the aftermath to see Ren be like, ew, get away from me. Um, but Owen doesn't. So Owen's immediate thought is, oh, no, someone else has moved in on my territory. And it's like, dude, gross. Um, but then he has like a very awful little pouty flounce out. And I was like, I don't know. I had trouble feeling sympathy for literally anybody in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and again, I think they took the plot point. Like, there is a equivalent scene of that where Captain Wentworth sees her, the Tyler character's name, Mr. Elliot. Like, he sees her at this concert with Mr. Elliot, and she is very clearly trying to talk to Captain Wentworth and be like, hey, dude, you like music. I'm so excited to go to this concert. Let's talk about the music. But then she has to, like, go and sit by her family. Because, you know, this is the 19th century and the Tyler equivalent character is actually her distant cousin because 19th century. Um, and so because he's part technically part of the family, she has to go sit by him and the captain dude literally walks out. So, like, there's that scene. Those beats happen. But it works because, like... <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't love I don't love the scene that you have just described for me oh. either. <laughs> no, but it works cuz she like um you know, she goes after him and they have some meaningful glances. It works because sorry, it works because of good acting and you see how both these people are like tortured by like but but, but maybe we like each other. But what's happening? But I'm not sure and there's just like great tension and like and yeah and it works because of that and uh, and again I think I mentioned earlier like it's one of those small moments where you actually see them directly interact and um yeah there's just not that equivalent attention to characters such that you care at all when that happens. Yeah, I'm really never going to be a fan of um, plot that hinges on a man making an assumption that is based in jealousy. Like, that's just never going to be my favorite thing. Oh. Like, yeah. she can, she gets to sit next to who she wants, my dude. It's fine. You'll be fine. It's just a concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is why they have to clear everything up at the end with a letter, but... Well, and again, it is... I I do know what I'm getting to a certain extent when I read Jane Austen. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a mystery to me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so again, I think it's just like a... a great microcosm of like you can really see how they sat down they were like we're gonna do the beats of this scene or this part of the book this way and it's so like directly correlated that they just they forgot to bring the story on its own anything else we want to say about this movie mm -hmm. I am 
hopeful that Netflix is actually making a straight-up adaptation of Persuasion with Dakota Johnson and Henry Field or Henry Golding. Oh, wait! How much older? How much older than Dakota Fanning is Henry Golding? Sorry, Dakota Johnson. Oh, you did say that. Okay. Although, yeah, like, how old is Dakota Johnson? No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, Dakota Johnson's 31. Henry Golding's got to be, like, 36. Yeah. And he's actually not playing love interest. Which would be fine. Okay, Dakota Fanning's 27. They're actually not that far in age. Um, And Henry Golding is not playing the love interest. Oh, okay. He is playing the evil... Wants to be a love interest. Which, I, which I'm kind of excited about. I'm kind of excited <laughs> to see Henry Golding play. Uh, oh, he's only 34. Okay. Um, I'm kind of excited to, to see him play a villain. Yeah, put him in more stuff, just in general. I'm into it. Exactly. Well, Marin, what would you recommend to our listeners to enjoy either after or instead of? <laughs> yeah, I would definitely modern recommend. Modern persuasion. <laughs> I definitely recommend folks read Sonali Dev's Recipe for Persuasion instead of watching this m- movie. Um, way more worth your time. Um, a much better adaptation. Um, and in this case, it is. Um, about a chef trying to save her restaurant um and her former you know the boyfriend she she broke up with um after with family pressure is now a uh soccer star and so they are thrown together on a celebrity cooking show um that she is using to try to to help her restaurant um, and it's great. So yeah, recipe for persuasion by Sonali Dev. Very worth your time. Unlike this movie, Martha, what would you recommend? Uh, I actually have two recommendations. One is less serious than the other. <laughs> um, but truly, uh, Jane Austen was so good at examining communication and the function of romance in our society. Uh, and the new season of The Bachelorette is really good. So <laughs> go ahead and check that out. Katie Thurston is delightful. Um, no, but actually my recommendation is another. It is a Jane Austen adaptation, um, not of Persuasion, but of my personal favorite Austen, Pride and Prejudice. Uh, it is a book called Pride by E.B. Zoboy. And it takes place in Brooklyn, uh, and the Bennett family has been replaced with the Benitez family, who are a um, Afro-Latinx family in Brooklyn, uh, who watch the wealthy Darcy boys move in across the street uh, and find some common ground with them as they battle the gentrification of their n- neighborhood. Uh, it is a delight. <laughs> Uh, and I think is a very good example of the universality of some of the ways that Austin writes her characters and her relationships. Cool. I yeah. would like to go on record saying I believe Jane Austen, were she alive today, would love The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Oh, truly. 
Um, I think she, yeah, I think she would be all in. Um, and I think that she, I truly think that she would be especially appreciative of this season. Uh, Katie is our current bachelorette and I love her because when people in the house try to feed her, like, Oh, I hear some people are being shady instead of messing around. She just goes to get the people that they're talking about and is like, walk me through this. Um, so yeah, communication, the communication levels are very good on this season and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I don't know if you are a bachelor bachelorette person, Maren. I feel like maybe you are not. I am not. Um, I, I have discovered that the reality television is with the exception of project runway like shows, um, not typically my jam, but I respect that a lot of people enjoy it and I'm glad it has that place. Yeah, that's fair. I would say most of the reality TV I watch is skill-based, like Top Chef, Project Runway, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then for some reason, I, I'm i all in on the Bachelor franchise, even though it's really gross and exploitative and is setting up a lot of really terrible expectations for how relationships should go. Um, I do feel like maybe it is finally starting to have a reckoning with how awful and racist and classist it is Mm -hmm. so i i'm hopeful for the future of the franchise yeah um so next week is our 50th episode marin can you believe that we have discussed 49 (laughs) different discrete pieces of media (laughs) that are all in some way about love and people making bad decisions. <laughs> so many bad decisions. Um, but yeah, so we are taking a quick break from the normal format of the show uh, to kind of rehash some of our favorites, um, to look back on some of the films that we have discussed, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and tell you all about our our personal faves and maybe some of uh, some of the ones we thought were super misses. <laughs> and maybe <laughs> some ones that we had slight differences of opinion on. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And even, and I, I, I say this and I don't mean anything hidden by it. I'm honestly wondering if this will come up. Any that we might have changed opinions oh, on fair. as time has gone on. Fair. So maybe if maybe if we warmed up to something on on further reflection or if we sat on sat with it and we're like, oh, no, that was actually very bad. Um, (laughs) So we will be doing a bit of a retrospection on our previous episodes. But until then, if you would like more of this show, you can follow us on social media on the feeds that we share with our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework, which updates on the same feed on alternating Wednesdays. Um, All of our social media can be found at DYDYH Podcast. Uh, And Did You Do Your Homework is a a pop culture podcast connecting academic ideas to popular media that I host with Marin's husband, Pete. You can find me personally on social media at all the places at Magical Martha. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Uh, folks can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced. 
where I pretty much just tweet about romance novels these days. So that's fair. That's fair. Uh, this, is, this is where we're at in 2021. I am right now uh, relabeling our entire fiction collection at the library. We have been using these very cheesy genre labels to distinguish our like mysteries and sci-fi mm -hmm. and um, romance. And I have decided I'm the manager and I don't like these labels. And that means that we don't have to use them anymore. All right. uh, so we have started with the romance novels, uh, which means that I'm getting to put hands on almost every romance novel in our collection. And Marin, some of these covers and some of these titles are all time. Oh, they yeah. are incredible. Um, you should listen to there's a 99% invisible episode recently about romance novel covers. Oh, neat. That you might enjoy. Is it about the is it about the current trend of the kind of cartoony? They do uh, talk about uh, that. Um, they do talk about that. Um the the theory is that well, and actually I don't know if it was on that episode, but they interview Sarah McLean, um, whose podcast Faded Mates I listen to pretty regularly. And she has expressed either on that episode or other episodes of Fate of Mates that we have the cartoon covers thanks to um, Sally Thorne's The Hating Game. Okay. Um, I really like the cartoon covers. I think that they have allowed for more diversity in what gets pictured on covers of romance novels than um, the photograph, the photographic imagery tends to include, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and they the 99% Invisible episode kind of delved into that. They also made the good point, um, and they interviewed Alyssa Cole, um, who talked about how it was important for her to have uh, what the old-fashioned is called the clinch cover, um, in part because she wanted to see uh, more folks get a cover like that. So she has made a point of her uh, main characters, who are almost all people of color and she writes um in her series um queer romances as well um so it was important to her to to have them have that but yeah so very interesting like it's something you think of is very simple there's a lot to it well i'm glad you've mm -hmm. gotten to see some good ones definitely feel free to text me some of the more interesting ones oh dang i'm gonna start sending you photos please do please do <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you all so much for listening, Marin. It has been a delight as always. Um, that is going to do it for us for this episode. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And just remember that we love you. Well, I think we spun that straw into gold. Oh, we sure did. We sure did. I think we did. <laughs> I think we did the absolute most with this festering turd of a film. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't even know that it inspired that strong of feelings in me. Like for for most of the movie, I was just kind of like this sure is a film. Oh, I think for me, just because like persuasion hit so close to home, I had to like take sure. a step back and be like, I can't be that personally offended by this just because I love <laughs> this story so much. I can see how that would make it more difficult. Like I, if I had, if I had read persuasion, I admit that I probably, I might've felt differently about it.